Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A word of warning this podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather, and today I'm joined by Antares from Germany, who is the creator of the Sense of Pain blog. Welcome. Hey, welcome. <laughs> I'm so good, and I'm so grateful to have you on. You and I have been trying to get this time together for a while now, but yeah. the stars have finally aligned, and I'm so happy to have <laughs> you on to talk about your survivor story. So, you started this incredible blog called the sense of pain. And I actually came across your profile and page because of Instagram, which is where I meet a lot of survivors because it's been such a great platform, I think, to to just meet other survivors. You follow the same hashtags, you follow the same kinds of people. So that's how I came across across you and your story. Uh, so yeah, as you said before, I'm Antares. I'm from, from Germany. I'm currently living in Germany. And I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse um, through my my father, which caused a lot of havoc in my life. Although I forgot about it for 20 years, I have severe amnesia about what happened. Um, I, I don't have like the clear images, but still you don't need to have like clear evidence-based images to to feel the pain and the damage inside of your body. And my, my story is a story of a narcissism, a story of running away from my problems um, and, and cutting off my, my inner child for, for such a long time that I had been suicidal for, for many years. Um, I always felt like in my life there was something missing and clearly there was something missing and it was a complete childhood. I, I just portrayed this strong happy charismatic guy who has it all together but when the party ended and like the people would leave and I was there alone I I, I couldn't hold it together anymore I, I always needed to distract myself so the the voices of the past didn't creep in and yeah in 2018 I had my last suicidal attempt and on that day, I decided to turn around and again walking down on a path of healing. 
And now we're here, years later, I am comfortable enough with my, I don't want to say weak side or negative side. That's how part of me sees it, but I'm comfortable with myself enough to speak about this because when I was in these dark places, I needed a voice similar like mine who, who says it's okay to be not okay. And it's okay that this happened to you. You are not alone. And I want people to know this. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm blogging. That's why I'm giving podcasts. That's why I'm giving my face for everyone who wants to stay anonymous. I think that's such a an incredible thing to go through and suicide and this ideation and you know, trying to escape is such a common thread between survivors. And it's not just mm. hearing the survivor's story, I think, so much as well as it's hearing the impact that it had on you and letting people know that, you know, you might be in this place and think that there's nothing to, you know, you can't do anything about it or it's hopeless or, mm. um, and you're stuck at times, especially when you're suicidal. And, and I remember that from myself and, mm as much as I would have loved as well, having other survivor blogs and things that I could have read at that time. Um, Cause they definitely weren't big when I was in my worst stage, but it's just knowing that you, like you said, it's okay not to be okay. And these are those discussions where you talk through all of that and people can see that, you know, we're not all hundred percent healed and healing is not this euphoric place that you reach one time mm. when you've gone to therapy enough or something mm. like that. It's, it's a continual journey. Yeah. There's, there's, I, I don't think there's this tipping point where from like, from there on, there's no more stress, no more sadness, no more anger, no more negativity in your life. It's, it's just life keeps on going. And when you climb one mountain, there will be more mountains and <laughs> Life won't stop throwing shit at you. I mean, if you if you think about even the survivors of the Holocaust, like one of the biggest crimes in human history, even after they got freed from these camps, life wasn't easy afterwards. They, till this day, they have to struggle with people who pretend this never happens. Like you can never like pay struggle in advance. And, and like pretend like, okay, now I have paid my dues. I, there will no more struggle. No, but as I walked down my path of healing, I, I became comfortable with the, with the, with the shit that life throws at me because I'm grateful to be alive and it's worth it. And I want people to know that like life, maybe it will not get like that easy, but it will be worth it. It will really be worth it. And I'm grateful to be alive every single day. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's as well, it's not being healed so everything is happy. I think that mm-hmm. the healing journey gives you tools to deal with adversity as it comes your way better and mm-hmm. better. And those overwhelmed and and alone feelings kind of dissipate a little bit uh, or you can deal with them better when they come towards you. You've got a toolkit at the ready to help yourself out, whereas yeah. before you're kind of, you know, standing there with nothing in your hands Mm. to help support you. And yeah, yeah. but I think it's really great. And I'm, I'm really thankful that you're on. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your story? Um, You said that there was a bit of amnesia in there for you, so it's not clear. Um, So tell it how you would like, whether it be you being uh, cognizant of this as an adult or what you remember as a kid, whatever, however you feel. Um, So 
I had my first suicidal attempt when I was 14 years old. Um, but I didn't know about the abuse back then. I, I as I said before, it's just, it always felt like there was something missing in my life, as if I would like watch life through thick glass and I can interact with anyone. I didn't care for anyone. I didn't even care for myself. That's why I wanted to end things. And so the amnesia stopped when I was around 25 years old and I was already almost two years in, um, in therapy. That was when I, when I finally healed so much in therapy that I was brave enough to look this way and to, to look at my, my past. And I, I had this, this dream where I would lie in my bed and then I, I felt like someone was grabbing my shoulder, turning me around and abused me. And I was woken up by my own scream. And I screamed, no. And um, I told my therapist about it and she was really concerned about it. And I was like, what, what is this? Like, uh, the, the, it was just a dream. Like, this didn't happen to me. And I neglected it for a bit longer, but she had no doubts. And soon... Uh, it, it came and I, I realized that my father abused me when I was a child too. And the the interesting part about it is that I knew that my father is an abuser for over 10 years at that point. I know that he had done it to other people, but in our whole so society, we, we tend to look away from the male victims because the males never speak up. And uh, we have the stigma around abuse that it happens to like, goes or we we don't think it happens in like families you you have this image of this violent act of rape but like that's it's hardly ever the case you know and and therefore even my therapist who is a really good therapist with years of experience even she couldn't see the clear signs because we both looked away and we both pretended like this this didn't happen it is really hard to see abuse in, in males because toxic masculinity makes us hide everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, yeah. and I think it's I, as, yeah. as well, like um, when you're in these situations and when you're, when you're speaking about them, we've all been taught, and I don't know what your education system was like, but we were taught stranger danger. Um, mm. So, you know, the, the person 100%. down the road is the person that you cannot go near mm. but we know that over 90% of child sex crimes happen by somebody that's known to the victim and that's worldwide so we need to start reframing the way that we look at children and abuse victims especially because men are more likely to be abused preteen by somebody in the family and girls or women are more likely to be abused after they're a teenager mm. by somebody mm -hmm. known to them as well and I think it's crazy that we know this, but we don't articulate it enough and say, okay, we don't accept this anymore. And I think this is what you're doing by speaking about it so much is you're creating this different conversation where, okay, this is something that happens and people aren't paying attention and they need to. Yeah, 100%. And I know how hard it is as a man to speak up about this. Um, because you feel not manly in a way because you let something like that happen. You you feel overwhelmed, but you were a child. Like, what could you do, especially if it was like a parent or like someone really close to you? You, you didn't know what was going on. And I want to give men a face 
they could talk about. Like even if they are not feeling comfortable talking about themselves, I I I want to give them my face in a way and and be like, okay, let's start a conversation. I don't want to talk about myself, but let's talk about this guy. He's writing his blog. He's giving interviews. He's a male survivor. Like maybe we should talk about this. And with every man opening up, um, this problem becomes smaller and smaller because there's one in six men. There's millions of men out there. And we men, we create problems. Like abuse, abuse persons become abusers or we, 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 we take drugs and alcohol. We, we drive fast. We, we act reckless, guns and violence. 80% of suicides are men and, and every 40 seconds a human being dies because of suicide. That's like an Instagram reel or a TikTok video. Every yeah. TikTok video you watch almost a man dies because of suicide. Yeah. And these it's conversations insane. reduce that stigma that it yeah. is not shameful. There is nothing wrong with being a survivor and the more and more that we talk about this together and align ourselves as people who want everybody in the world to be safe as the more and more that we do that and we highlight men's and male violence and male violence against men you know against boys and um i remember speaking to this about ryan gadsby um Mm. from the edge of the bed podcast and we were just saying as well the implications or the connotations of homosexuality where it's seen as, and I think we're in a different time now where being gay isn't the most awful thing in the world that you can imagine. But, you know, back then and even now for some people, that is a really horrific thing to think about and Mm -hmm. they don't want to be seen as gay. And this is another further thing on top of that. Yeah, I, I have to say when I um, when I first looked online for other survivors, I, I hardly found anyone, especially male survivors, and the only persons I found were homosexual. And I have to say that homosexual people are just stronger with this. They just they deal better with their emotions than heterosexual men because they are not that much affected by this toxic masculinity. I, I, I cannot speak for them. I, I, I really can't, but I really, I, I admire that so much that um, there are so many homosexual um, survivors out there speaking openly about this and heterosexual survivors. They're just afraid that people would say they're homosexual for what happened to them. But as a survivor speaking up, I never had one occasion where someone would apply that I'm homosexual because something like that happened to me. Not a single one. But nonetheless, I had the fear for many, many years. And I still have that fear speaking to men. And I speak way more openly with women about this than with men. Every podcast I give is with women <laughs> because you women, you, you, you are just better with this than men. You don't, you don't create these problems for yourselves. And we, as men, we have to acknowledge the fact that we create the, the, the problems for ourselves. Yeah. It's the subculture. It's the subtext. Yeah. And it is that what you said before, toxic masculinity, you know, to be a man and to be manly, you can't have emotions. You don't deal with them. You push them down. Yeah. 
And that's like you said before, you know, that's when you start abusing drugs and alcohol. That's when you start acting out because you're doing everything you can to make this not front of mind for yourself. And, you know, there's so much movement in, in male suicides and things like that and talking about mental health, but it comes back to that core root problem that mm-hmm. it's okay to not be okay and men don't have to be strong all the time. Mm. Being strong all the time isn't strong. <laughs> not crying is not strong. I mean, I, I didn't cry for, for many years and I, I had been weak because I couldn't even look that way. I, I, I was not strong enough to look at my inner child and see how much he's suffering. I, I, it's easy to, 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 to drink alcohol and to, to soothe your pain and to run away from problems and to have affairs, watch porn, whatever, to, to distract yourself. That's, that's the easy thing to do. The strong thing to do is to deal with these things. And I always say... It never had been my fault that my father abused me, but it's my responsibility now to deal with this. Because if I go out there now and create problems for other people because I had been hurt, then there's no one left to blame. It won't be the the fault of my father. I can't blame him if I go out there and hurt people. No, it's my fault. And therefore, it's my responsibility to, to heal. Yeah, and to stop that cycle of abuse from yes. continuing into the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, a better future for our children. Absolutely. So as you went to this therapist and you were talking through it mm-hmm. um, and you started to realize what had happened, what what was that like? What was that experience like for you? Um, for the first time in my life, my whole body was shaking. I, I have severe dissociation. I have a hard time feeling my body <laughs> at all. And therefore it was a really new thing for me to to feel my body in, in such a way and to feel like fear and, and, and I don't know, feeling overwhelmed that much because narcissism uh, really made me cold and, and not feeling fear at all, although I was afraid, of course. Um, so that was, that was really new and therefore I knew this is important. This is, there's something, there's something, that, that's the root of the problem. And I grown tremendously since I, I look that way. And I'm, I'm grateful, although it hurts, although it's hard, I'm grateful that I finally can look that way. But yeah, there will, there will be hard times when you, when you realize about this and when you work about that. But it's still there. Even if you don't look that way, it controls you. It controls your subconscious in a way. And you keep on repeating patterns and you keep on hurting yourself. And it's, it's like a thorn you have to, to, to get out of your body, you know, in a way. And it hurts to, to, to get it out. But once you get it out, you will be grateful. And I'm not over the hill. I'm far away from being over the hill. My healing process just started. But even if you walk down the path of healing, it feels good. It feels like you, you stop running away from yourself. Absolutely. You feel, I feel more yourself. That's, that's it. You become more comfortable with yourself. Yeah. I always found it quite cathartic to yeah. write down things or go through yeah. my story. And each time yeah. I spoke about it or wrote something down, I felt like I was letting a part of it go. Yeah. Um, which was really incredible. 
yeah, as you, as you said, writing like these, these bad boys helped me tremendously. This is my journal and I have a lot of them and I've been writing since 2018. I started writing in journals on my first day in the clinic after my last suicidal attempt. And ever since then, I didn't have one single suicidal attempt. It was my first step on my path of feeling to, to write. And it's just the, these demons, you can trap them on paper and you can just like let it go and just like free your mind from all the negative stuff. This is the best listener I know. I can, when I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning, who can I call and like express my deepest fears and feelings to? It is my journal. Like, not gonna lie, it's it's the best listener out there. It won't talk in between. It won't like put his own autobiography into my my words and be like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. No, it just sits there and listen, and it's it feels really good. I think it's a great way as well. Exactly what you just said. It's an incredible tool, but it's also a great way to vocalize or write down exactly how you feel. Because often Mm -hmm. I think we're feeling these things like anxiety or extreme depression and we don't know why. And I think addressing those things and, you know, maybe you might be talking about a physiological response. So my heart rate is increased I'm having mm. trouble breathing. And then you can go yeah. back through the day and talk through it with yourself to try and make sense of what's going on with your body and your mind. Yes, 100%. Um, because my dissociation was so strong, I had to learn emotions. Like you would learn like a new language. It's just like, oh, my stomach hurts. What is this? Like, and I, I have to, to find the, the word for it. And um journaling helps me tremendously with that to to even identify how i feel what what is this that is inside of me am i just hungry or am i feeling anxiety like i i had a hard time naming my emotions and what also really helps me is when i when i feel something i i try to feel how much energy is there and is it positive or negative because um feeling sad and feeling angry is both a negative feeling but with different levels of energy within it like sad hasn't that much energy anger has a lot of energy and like it helps you really good to see how much energy is there and is it good or bad yeah absolutely and i think it's just such a good testament to you that you are doing this work for yourself and you're detailing it in a way that is consumable for other people because when I started my healing journey, I always saw people who did affirmations or mm. journaling or things like that. I saw them as quite, you know, I didn't understand why they meant anything. They seemed fluffy to me. Mm. Um, you know, I've got a scientific background. So that was where my mind went. And it wasn't until I started to speak to other survivors and I heard, you know, what journaling actually is. Instead of just saying, just do some journaling, but hearing what it is and hearing the things that you get out of it, it makes it applicable to life and to people as well, I think. So it's just an incredible thing. Yeah. I always treat this as like actual advice for real people with real problems. Because when you, when you go like on YouTube and you try to find like how to be more productive, you you find these gurus and and like they have this perfect schedule and seems like they had 48 hours in a day and they just like everything is perfectly aligned. But like I, I sit there every time I watch this, I'm like, yeah, I have been the same. And you know what? I was my most productive when I was the most unhappy. 
And this hustle culture led me to the edge of a rooftop and I was ready to destroy myself because in such a perfect schedule and in such a perfect life, where's the 30 minutes you spend cuddling with your girlfriend? Like, like where's the life in this hustle, you know? And, and everyone's just like, when they journal and they'd be like, yeah, become your higher self. And I, I'd be like, yeah, just, just be yourself. There's no higher self. There's no perfection. Just, just be your, sorry, fucking self. Like, yeah, it's, it's so it's true. Just, it's, it's not about being this perfect human being. Perfection led me to destruction. Just be comfortable with who you are. Like, we all have problems. No one has it together. And I, I know this because people always say like, oh, you're so strong and you, you seem to have it all together. No, they, they just see this image of me. Uh, they see this, these five minutes of my day on Instagram, but they don't see the amnesia, the, the dissociation, the, the I can't sleep at night, the, the fear, the damage. They, they don't see all of this. They compare their behind the scenes with my highlights, my highlight reel, you know? And yeah, but when the curtain falls, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different person and I want people to know this. I'm not always this guy you see in front of the camera. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. So I have so many people messaging me the same thing. Like yeah. you're so strong. How did you get mm. healed? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm. I've gone through a journey where I no longer have depression and that's been a long yeah. as fuck journey, but <laughs> that doesn't mean in any way yeah. that I don't wake up once a week sweating from nightmares yeah. or things like yeah. that. And I try to be as transparent as possible without being discouraging, but just saying, yes, we all have struggles. We all have adversity. We all have yeah. different parts of us that are really struggling. And when yeah. you see somebody that does, you're exactly right. It's a highlight reel. Mm, so yeah. don't compare yourself to the highlight reel, but utilize some of those skills to do your best to yeah. find yourself. And yeah. it's not, you know, so speaking to somebody the other day and I had been told this, like you'll get back to yourself soon. You'll mm. become yourself soon as that person that was before they were assaulted. And I don't think mm. that person exists anymore. When you say that, it's no, I don't want to reach for who I was, but I want to create a person that is me, that is authentically me, and that this is a part of my life and I can deal with that and be okay with it. That's where you strive for. Not for perfection, not to be your old self, but to be who you authentically are as a person. Yeah. I always say, like, what happened to me is like losing an arm, like, all right, I just have one arm and the arm won't, won't grow back. It, it just won't happen. And maybe I won't be a professional basketball player anymore, but I don't have to be a professional basketball player to be happy in my life. I can be happy in my life with just one arm. I want people to know that it, it's maybe not about healing the trauma, but transformation, like transformation, transform it into something else and make something out of it. And, maybe you don't even have to make something about out of it, but transform the pain in a, in a way that you can just like be cool with it, be okay yeah. with it and just live with one arm. There's plenty of stuff you can do with one arm. Life is still worth it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's such a good analogy. Like something has been taken away from you. That's a really important part of you. 
but you can move forward from that. So as you were saying before as well, you've gone through this and you've done your journaling and everything like that. I'm just curious is were you in contact with, with your perpetrator, your dad throughout this time? Was he still a part of your life? Um, no, I cut the contact to my my father years ago um, because I knew that he was a, that he abused other people too. I knew other people he abused, and I I just I just couldn't live with an abuser anymore because every day I spent with him, I I hated myself because in a way I protected him because the silence only protects the abuser and not the victims, and that's a thought he put into my head he was always like you know you can't talk to them and and like leave them alone they need to heal and stuff like that no and I I talked to to a girl he he assaulted and and she told me that she's comfortable with telling people and I was like what you are comfortable with telling people And, and she was like yes the silence only protects him and I was like I had this this plot twist. I was like, "Wow, yeah, you're right. Why why did I think this all the time?" And I, I remember that night I puked the whole night long, as if like all of this bullshit and all of this false thoughts you put into my my head came out of my body. And I soon after I cut cut the contact with him. I said to him, "I, I never want to see you again." And the first thing he said it wasn't like. I, I love you, son, and like, please stay. He was like, you can never talk to anyone about this. And this was like the last uh, dagger step as he, he put into my, my heart. It really hurt me that he said that because in a way, although he's an evil human being and I don't like him at all, I, I, um, there's still a, a ch- childish part of me who, who wants to be loved by his father. And yeah. I want um, survivors to know this. You you don't have to feel ashamed if if there's like a part of you who, who still in a way likes your abuser or like wants his admiration or whatever. It's just that's just normal. As children, we are so dependent on on elders and especially our parents. It's a survival. We, we can't just like be three years old and be like, all right, okay, that you're not good for me. I just walk out here and like, I live my own life now. Now you, you have to, to comply in a way to survive. Like the child will eat the poison right from the palm of your hands. No question asked. Although it knows it's poison. It eats everything to survive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a good point as well that, um, and most people I've spoken to that have been victims or survivors of child sexual abuse have described this kind of really oppositional feelings of hatred and disgust, but also this feeling of love and care and wanting their approval and admiration. Um, yeah. And it's a really twisting place to live when you know in your head that this is it, but for your life and for 20 years or something, you've been conditioned, you've lived with them, you've looked up to them, you've admired them, even through the crap, even through the bullshit, there are items there. And I think, you know, letting somebody go if they're toxic from your life, even if they're a family member is important, but acknowledging that it's not a fucking easy thing to do and that it's okay to have feelings of, 
I wonder if he's proud of me. Mm. They're okay to have because this is somebody who should have done that for you. And it's kind of mourning the loss of not only that relationship, but the fact that you you were robbed as well of, of the childhood you deserved. Yeah. And of the father, like we only have one father and one mother, like th- this can't be replaced. I will always be the son of an abuser, which disgusts me 100%. But there's a child in me who, who just wants his father for, for obvious reasons. And, and yeah, and for everyone who you don't have to be a victim of childhood sexual abuse. If you're, if your parents are narcissistic and, and, and evil and like treat you in a bad way, I want you to know that it is okay that there's a part of you who still, who still loves them because it's, it's normal. It's just normal. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, I think that's so true. And um, I follow Michael Unbroken on Instagram, Mm. who's an incredible survivor of abuse Mm. from his mother. And he talks about kind of that all of the time, but about how important it was for him to let her go and to never speak to her or see her again. And I think that's another point. Like we tend to keep people in our lives that are toxic for us and that are, they don't love us. They don't respect us. They make us feel like shit. And I think it's good to normalize that it doesn't matter who they are to you, that your life is worth living and you are important. And if somebody's making you consistently feel like crap, then cut them out of your life. It's like cut, cut that, like, 
the tie off that you have to this person and know that it will be hard, but know that you'll be better for it. Yeah. You are the average of the five persons you spend the most time with. It's so true. That's why it is so hard to escape like alcoholism. If all your friends drink alcohol on a daily basis, you can't help but happen to drink alcohol again. And I had the same. I had a big friends group who would play video games 24-7. I was addicted to video games throughout all of my 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 youth, my teenage years, because it was just a way to run away from reality. And I had to to walk out of that friends group in order to to just cut this this addiction. Uh, I mean, I, I still like these people, but I, I whenever they play video games, I'd be like, I'm not in. I that's not me. And so really think about this. Who are the five persons you spend the most time with and what impact do they have on your life? But also what impact do you have on their life? Like if you are a toxic person, you will influence the people around you to become more toxic. And if you have toxic people in your life who just like do nothing but talk bad about other people, then you should think about spending less time with them. If you want to become less toxic, of course, if you like <laughs> yeah. that, do whatever, man, do whatever <laughs> floats your boat. Like I, who am I to judge? I'm just, I'm just telling you, you're the average of the five people you spent the most time with. That's such a really powerful thing. And it just prompted me to think, you know, I love my parents. I'm lucky that my parents care very much about me, but um, I don't get along with them the best and they frustrate me. They make me upset. And, <laughs> I, I was recently um, over COVID and everything. I went back and lived with them and I'm lucky enough to have parents that I can go and live with. Um, but I was increasingly the more and more time that I was home at my parents' place, I was getting more and more depressed. And I didn't have depression before I went back there. And I saw myself descending into this really toxic behavior with myself and feeling really down all the time. And I knew that it was just because these two or my family became the people that I was consistently hanging around with all of the time. Um, Mm. And it was so difficult. I just couldn't do it. And now that I've left, I have an appreciation for the small pockets of time that I have with them, (laughs) but I can't because I'm very different to them. And it's not Mm. because you don't love them as well. You can separate yourself and touch in bases with people and stuff like that while not having them as the key people in your life. And that's the the wonderful, beautiful thing about becoming an adult and having the freedom to do those types of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Set your boundaries. I always say that. And I had a hard time setting my own boundaries. Um, There's like something um, I always do is I write myself something down um, before I go to like back home. And like if my father would speak about, this person he he abused i would tell him like okay if you speak about her again i will leave and if he does that i will leave it's just like do the warning and then do the action and just like for me it really helped to write down my boundaries before to to like really acknowledge them and just like it's just like a contract with myself if someone steps over my boundary i will say them hey you you just overstep my boundary if if you will do that again i i have to leave and it is okay to have your boundaries. It is okay for people to not like step on you and just like, just like ignore your feelings or you, you like stop ignoring yourself. Stop ignoring uh, yeah. your boundaries. 
and it's okay for other people as well. I think at the end of the day to not understand your boundaries and to not want to comply with them. And that's okay for them. It's a free world. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want, but that's on you then to enforce your own boundaries and make sure that you've got that. And I think creating your own boundaries is one of the hardest things to do because you've lived a life and I think that most survivors can appreciate this. You've lived a life for so long that your normal is either abusing yourself and consistently drinking or doing all of these things and your normal is not feeling happy and then your normal is doing what everybody else wants you to do because you've lost yourself. So the moment that you start to regain control over aspects of your life and you start to put down boundaries, you can feel like you're being, I don't know, like aggressive or too much or you're asking too much and that's because your normal is so far away from what normal is. And I think that that's the the hardest feeling is coming to terms with the fact that it's not selfish to create boundaries for yourself Mm. and, and finding people or a tribe around you that love the shit out of you. And that that's not you unworthy of that. Cause I think often we can feel unworthy of that love that we're receiving as well, because our normal is so much lower than what it actually should be. Yes, yes, 100%. I agree with you 100%. It is not selfish to, 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 to want to be happy and to, to, if you want to be yourself and just like be yourself, it's, there's nothing selfish about it. You can act selfish though. Um, yeah, it's, it's really not, it's really not selfish to be, to be yourself and to have boundaries, as you said. And I 100% agree with you. That feeling and having that validated by other people, other survivors or other people who have mental health troubles or things like that, people who understand that having that validated is so important for you to know that if your boundary is this boundary, then that's it. Um, And even one of my friends, Mads, uh, she has a podcast called Mads World Mm. and she's recently gone sober and For her, she has her boundaries that are, you know, if she's at a party and people start doing cocaine at the party that she will leave and Mm -hmm. she's not going to stop people from doing any types of things, but she's also not going to put herself in a situation that she feels uncomfortable with. And I think it's an incredible thing to do and it's hard to stick to it all the time, but you have to have that value in yourself and learning that you are valuable and that you matter is something that's really hard to, to reconcile sometimes. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like getting sober from cocaine. I, I really love her approach that she, she doesn't try to change others because I, I, I agree with this 100%, like change yourself, but never others, like let others do their thing, but set the boundaries for yourself. But it doesn't have to be something big as cocaine. I was like a few months ago, I was laying in bed and I was just, I had to brush my teeth, but like I came home from a party and I was just like, really, oh, damn, I don't want to get up. And so, and then I just thought to myself, so no, I take care of myself. I love myself. And that was, that was such a pivot point. I, I just, I just realized, damn, I care for myself. I care for myself that I will like treat myself even with brushing teeth, you know? And it, it's just like, my parents maybe never take took care of me, but I could be the parent for, for myself. Now I am grown up now. I can take care of myself and I do care enough about myself to care for myself. And 
doesn't have to be cocaine. It can be even brushing the teeth. Just acknowledge that, that you are worth it. You're worth taking care of and you can be your own parent in a way. Yeah. And I've said this to um, so many of my mates, especially who, who are trying to get through mental health or trying to cope with things even a little bit more on those days that people have. And we've, a lot of us have had them where you don't want to get out of bed or you, you know, you just want to sit there all day. And I'm just like, your goal does not have to, for that day, be to run three kilometers. Your goal for that day can be to get out of bed, have a shower, change into a new set of pajamas and go straight back to bed. That's okay but you've done something for yourself that day. And I think that's the important thing is, yeah, boundaries and goal setting and things and being realistic with yourself and knowing that not achieving a goal for the day or anything like that isn't, isn't bad as well. So let's say you've, you've set a boundary with a friend or something and you've given in on that boundary and you're feeling a little bit upset about that or something. That's okay. You've not failed. You've learned. And it's an important thing to not that we need to stop beating ourselves up about all of yes. these different things as well. You can't yes. heal and journal and get up and go to work and exercise and eat healthy and drink two liters of water and mm. meditate. You can't, you can't yeah. do everything all at once. You're always yeah. going to miss at least one of them, but it's coming down and going, holy shit, I'm aware enough to know that I let somebody push my boundaries last night. I'm going to write mm. that down or something. I'm going to make sure that next time I don't. And that's an achievement. Yeah. It's not a yeah. failure. Yeah. 100% agree with you here. Um, it's just functioning all the time simply does not function. You can't function all the time. You are not a robot. You're a human being. And when I was narcissistic, I treated myself like a robot. I used my body and my mind to achieve certain things. I, in a way, I abused myself. I, I cut eating to have a six pack. So my body was a tool to attract women. It was not my body. It was just meant to fulfill a purpose. And, and I tried to be perfect all the time. I try to function all the time. And it, it simply does not function that way. You are a human being. And as you said before, um, sometimes life gets in the way and like everything is so much, all of your good habits um, are too much. And I always tell myself um, when I'm having a hard time, less is better than nothing. Like I don't have to write a full page of journaling. I could just write one sentence or I don't, I don't have to do like five kilometers of running. No, it's just like one burpee, like just do something. The, the least amount, a little bit, is better than nothing. It's just, it gets the stone rolling. And as you said before, when you're depressed, everything is a, is a freaking challenge. Getting out of bed feels impossible. I know that I'd spent most uh, months of my, my life in bed and it, it is crippling. Um, and, and acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you are a human being and this is, this is okay. And doing the least thing, as you said, take a shower, treat yourself. Do something. And I think, you know, I had a a family friend pass away recently and it's been, thank you, it's been really hard on us. We've gone into lockdown, so we haven't had a funeral. Being there for my my family, my best friend, um, 
because you've got a caregiving aspect as well, but you can't do anything because you're in lockdown. And there's this feeling of helplessness that I've had where I think I haven't acknowledged the grief as much because I feel Mm -hmm. helpless. And in the last week, I have not exercised anywhere near as much as I wanted to. I've drank more. Um, I have, I couldn't be bothered cooking. So I keep ordering Mm -hmm. food. Like I'm not treating myself in a way and it's very different to the way that I usually do. But one thing that I did have control over, and I think this is where it comes back to is I'm okay. I'm safe in my house. I feel okay. I, I, I feel okay. I don't, obviously I'm not hundred percent fine, but I feel okay. And what mm-hmm. I do every day is, okay, I used to run last week, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just going to walk the exact yeah. same track. Well, I'm going to put on a big yeah. old fluffy jumper and I'm going to walk and I'm just going to have my me time. And I think that's yeah. important. And I know I haven't been myself, but I'm not for the first time beating myself up about it. Yeah. I'm yeah, going, I'm giving myself a little bit of time to not be myself right now. And I'm just going to acknowledge that I don't want to run or work out heaps right now. I'm just going to walk. But knowing that I've given myself that, and it sounds so small, but instead of beating myself up that I'm not acting in a way that I usually would and giving myself that space yeah. has led me to, you know, being okay and I'm mm. okay. And I can now help and support other people because I'm in a place that I can do that. I'm not stretched to do that. Yeah. Every day is a new day. Uh, you can't expect every day to be similar. Like how boring would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Every day you would work up, woke up, and you just have, have like all this battery energy. You know, it's it's as I said before, you're a human being. It's not that your phone is charged and like you can uncharge that. No, sometimes you're not charged when you wake up in the morning, and that is okay. I want you to acknowledge that, and I I want you to know that I feel the same. Um, I I have my hard days too, and yeah, as I said before, functioning all the time simply does not function, and uh, it is. It is so true, and as you said before, if if you if you normally run that that thing, then take a walk. I, honestly, taking a walk is is so good for your mental health. It is so important, and like ask yourself, when was the last time you you left the house? When was the last time you you didn't do anything? And that's also true. We we especially I when I was um, at my lowest point, I tried to always do something, always distract myself, and honestly, take a pen. And write down when was the last time I, I didn't do anything, and you will be surprised. Um, this could be years ago, and yeah. um, for me, I do it daily because I, I meditate, but still, I, I kind of like meditate in a way. And sometimes I treat meditation as like this tool for, for me to, like, okay, I now I do meditation because it's good for my mental health, and like. And, that's kind of getting away from the the idea of meditation where it is to do nothing, just like to be there. And I, I feel like we have to acknowledge that we have to be more instead of do more. Like we always do, do, do. We are a, a do society. But if you travel and you go to like more chill countries, as we say, like, if you if you go to South America and then people are more like this being persons, this being society, they just like they just sit down at a cafe and they just watch people go by and just like they let time pass and like we in our hustle culture we be like all right I have a meeting and like 
now chop this coffee and like I have shit to do. I am important. Like just be, just be for one second. Just take a deep breath and just be. I think that's an incredible thing to think about instead of doing but being um yeah that's sitting with me and i know that that's going to be something that will sit with me for a little yeah. bit because i'm in that stage i'm you know i've got You're my big alone, trust me <laughs> my big coffee cup and yeah. Yeah. work and this, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and yeah it, 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 it comes to this like um all of our achievements i lately discovered all of our achievements are in here, like it is our bank account, it's our following account. It is like I'm an author, I am this, I am that, but it's hardly ever the body. Like, when was the last time one of your achievements was was placed in your body? When was the last time you ate with a full appetite? When you laughed from the bottom of your heart? No, it's just always this this thing in our head, always this artificial things we created in our society, and it is just. It, it, it almost feels like our whole society has gone mad and narcissistic and we, we, we walked away from being, from, from being human beings. Instead, we try to be these perfect robots, these where we just run after things that would just like stroke our ego in a way. A big mm. bank account is nothing but, but an ego stroke, but sitting in the grass and feeling the grass, that's, that's something you do for for yourself, for your body. And it, it's just like, acknowledge that, acknowledge yeah. that all of our success and achievements are just made in our own head. It's not real. Your and there's nothing real. that's going to matter once you die, you know? And I yes. think, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I think as a getting, I'm 28 now. So a lot of my friends or people I know, uh, buying houses, getting married yeah. and having children. Yeah. And I think yeah. in their minds as well, that's the epitome of success is finding somebody to get married to, having a mortgage and yeah. having a child. And I think yeah. that for a lot of people, you're confined to this stress and strain now. You've got no opportunity to be free because you've got a mortgage to pay and yeah. things like that. And it's I think often when people are like, oh, why don't you buy a house? And I'm like, I just don't want to. <laughs> I'm also spending yeah. probably more more money because I'm not sitting at home like, you know, I feel yeah. like it's like a um, squirrel, like gathering their nuts mm. and hoarding their nuts yeah. for winter. Yeah. Whereas I'm happy to go out and buy somebody dinner because they can't afford it. And yeah. it, for me, that's, I would rather live in the living and the doing now. And if that means that I don't own a house, that's not a reflection on my success. I think the reflection on my success is how many people, how people feel when they are around me and how I feel. Like, yeah. do I lift people up? Do I make people laugh? And then also, am I able to belly laugh from the bottom of my yeah. soul? Yeah. Yeah. You know, once a week, that's a goal. Once a week <laughs> to have a massive laugh. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. When you when you talk about like depths and and everything else, I I always feel like I want to start my days living in my own life and not someone else's life. Like for example, if when you have like a big house, like it's not your own, and you always people for for a strange reason, people when they get like more uh, salary they become poorer because they like, feel like okay now i can like buy a second car and, and, and everything else and like they 
they just like buy themselves five more years in that in that job and, and, and everything and they just I don't know, they just live for someone else in, in a way and it's yeah. just like pay someone else. Uh honestly, as I said before, it's just my opinion. Um I am a little bit weird because I have problems with other people having control over me. I hate to be in debt. And um maybe I'm 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 just a weirdo here and uh, do whatever floats your boat. Um I'm I'm just saying how how I feel about this. Yeah, I'm the same though. I don't know if it's a control thing, but <laughs> for me, I think it is though. Like the idea to be stuck and accountable for that period of time, for that amount of money and things like that, I just not, I can't plan that far ahead. I think I'm at that stage mm. as well with my healing journey <clears throat> where it, it is a day at a time. <clears throat> and to, to put myself into that situation is not something I could do. Having a negative on my bank account would be stressful for me because then I'm, like you just said, I'm accountable to somebody else. And it's not the money, it's just the lack of freedom that that buys and affords, I think, in some capacity. I know investments yeah. all that shit, but I just don't care. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's okay. We, we don't all have to, to run this capitalistic life. And... Um, because we just kind of cover this, um, I tried to buy myself happy for, for many years. I am um, maybe not many people know, but I have bipolar um, syndrome. Um, I had a lot of manic episodes in my life and I had manic spendings. I mean, I was once I was in Greek and I had zero dollars on my bank account. I, I was on an island. I didn't have a ferry back to the mainland and I, I had zero dollars in my bank account it actually was minus 500 <laughs> and um i got a call from the bank and they'd be like how do you plan on paying this back and i, I just I, I didn't have an answer and i i was avoiding the calls and i was just like booking a scuba diving course because i was so stressed out that i spent even more money created more problems and I just try to buy myself happy. And it was just shallow. And I, I, I'm telling you, you can't run away from yourself. You can be at the end of the freaking world. There will be always one person with you. And that is yourself. And if you don't like that person, it will be a pain in the ass. You can lie in the desert looking at the beautiful night sky and it will give you, it will creep the fuck out because it is you and your thoughts alone and the silence will make you feel really uncomfortable. I have been there and it is not nice. You cannot buy yourself happy. You cannot outrun your demons. They will catch you. They will run faster than you. And I want you to, to know this and try to consume less. Uh, I became minimalistic and it was an important step on my healing journey. I have black and white t-shirts I uh, try to own less and less. And when I buy something, I throw something out. Um, everything has, has a value to me. And life is a journey. So I think someone said that life is a journey. So pack light, like be able to, to run around with everything you got. Uh, that's why I like backpacking so much. Uh, you just have all everything you got in your backpack and you just can run around there. And like, it's freedom. It's freedom. And if you have to carry all your stuff with you, it's just not that nice, this journey of life. No, 100%. And I can't wait for restrictions to stop and people to be vaccinated so that we can go backpacking again. 
because I truly believe that was one of the best experiences that I've had as well, where, you know, you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, but you're in a place where you don't have to work and you can get a job. You can work in a bar, Mm. you can do different things. Mm. You can do anything and each day is what you make of it. And each day is an adventure and it's so wonderful to be in that place. And it's so growing. I think you can grow so much from that. Especially, I think one of the funny things I would always say is the amount of chaos you get put in when you are backpacking as well. <laughs> like you get to a place and you're like, sorry, we've got no beds. And you're like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm in a country. I don't speak the language. Yeah. I've got no Wi-Fi. What am I going to do? And yeah. you, you learn how to deal with adversity in, in those yeah. circumstances as well on your feet and everything. And it's, a, it's just an incredible thing, 100%. And it's nice to have to try and put into a bag the things that you think that you're going to need for six months. Yeah. yeah it's incredible. 100%. And you will learn human generosity. I reached Bosnia in 2019, I would say, in the middle of the night. I didn't have anything booked. I, I was screwed because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and so I was standing there in the middle of the night uh, at the bus station and I walked up to this girl and she, I was just like, you know, if there is, is there like any cafe or, or like McDonald's open so I can just like spend the night there? At least it's warm inside. And she was like, don't worry, you just come with me. I, I have to go over there, buy some weed, but then you can come with me. And I was just like, uh, okay. And I was just walking with her back to her house. And I was just like, okay, maybe I will lose my kidney. I don't know, but <laughs> that's what you get for being such an idiot. But I never had one single um negative experience with humans when I was in need and um, people are generous. There are so many good people out there and I had such a good time uh, with that girl. She just invited me to her home and she, she, she lived in Bosnia and all she had in her fridge was a, a, a glass of tuna. She, she literally had nothing and she gave everything she had. And, and that was just, that was so good for me to, to see this generosity of human beings that they give everything they have. And I had bad experiences with humans. I loved, I had, I had bad experiences with my father, but I still believe in the goodness of people because of such experiences. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not advising you to be um, an idiot like me. I don't <laughs> visit Bosnia at 3am in the morning and have no nothing nowhere to go that was a stupid idea but I'm, I'm telling you whenever like I was like in real trouble to, on, on my travels I had someone picking me up and it, it's such a good thing such a good lesson that they're also good people out there we always talk about like this this bad stuff especially on my, on my channel but I want people to know there are good people out there absolutely yeah. and I think that's an incredible place to end. And I want to say thank you so much for, for talking with me and being so open and honest about what you've gone through and, and about your journey and and mental health and things like that as well. I think it's so important to hear that um, from men as well. And to other men that are listening, you know, that your experiences are valid and it's okay. And um, there are so many people out there that are, that are here to support you. Um, I do ask everyone that comes on, as well, yeah. if you were to speak to a survivor right now or yourself, um, what would you tell them? Somebody that's going through what you've been through, what would your advice be? Yeah, it, it would be you are not alone. 
And I, I know that you hear this all the time, um, but hear the pain and the struggle in my voice. Feel my soul. You are not alone. And it's not just that you are not alone. You are worth fighting for. You really are worth fighting for. And I want you to know this. And I, I want you to believe yourself, trust yourself. And I want you to heal because you are worth being healed. And you can do this. There is so many good help out there. And I know that you think that I'm really strong, uh, but trust me, I had been beyond broken. I was a complete mess and I, I did it. And I, I believe you can do this too. I really do. And if you if you would have known me five years ago, you, you would not recognize me. So I want you to know this. Don't compare this healed self of mine with yourself right now. You can do this. Thank you so much. It's been such an incredible conversation um, and such incredible advice. I can't thank you enough. And I'm sure that we'll have you on again or um, we'll be discussing and be a part of each other's lives into the future because this survivor community that we're creating is just incredible. And I'm, again, just thank you so much. All right. Thank thank you you for now. This is Reclaim Me signing out. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.